Welcome back to another Daily Dots. It is the 7th of December. I'm going to rip through these markets and then we'll talk about a few things. You're stuck with me alone yet again. Um, tomorrow will be the regular show um, for Zach. So a full week of ro- rolling solo here for me Monday through Thursday for the Dots. Hopefully that's not too bad for you guys. Um, so pretty big risk on day to day. S&P finished up uh, 0.8%. NASDAQ up one point, uh, almost 1.4%. Small caps up 0.7%. Uh, kind of the big news today was uh, kind of a magnificent seven rally on AI, which was largely driven by uh, Google's Gemini AI, kind of starting to look really good all of a sudden. So the fact that they've been, you know, pouring billions of dollars and significant time in AI for many, many years um, caught up to market reality that, hey, maybe they can make something good out of that. Um other markets today, we had oil pretty flat, up a little bit, dollar down about half percent. A lot of that was um, a strong, strong move higher in the yen as the inevitability of the end of negative interest rates in Japan kind of starts to take hold. Um, as far as bond yields go, pretty flat on the two, up about four on the 10 and about the same on the 30 year. So decent little move up, nothing, nothing major on the long end, but Yields crept crept a little higher. Precious metals pretty flat on the day. Um, we'll we'll get into to natural gas for the second day in a row. I'll, I'll uh, kind of beat that dead horse, but with some some new information and a little bit of a new a new angle on that. Um, that's really it for the market that I wanted to cover. So a few a few things data wise today. Um, first and foremost, uh, jobless claims came in uh, as well as job cuts. Job cuts were very benign, not not a big deal. They're uh, they're up month over month, but they're they're down pretty big year over year. Just no signal in the noise there to me, at least. Um, jobless claims came in right as expected on initial claims, um, but even then, looking under the hood on those, like just not not that big a deal. Uh, continuing claims fell a decent amount and were below expect expectations, so that was kind of notable. Whether we can go make a new high here soon or not. Um, we'll see, but I would say nothing came out of claims that should, uh, alarm anyone on on either direction. Um, the most important data to me today was consumer credit. That's something I kind of have been watching closely. It's something that, you know, 2021, 2022, especially 2022 was just absolutely ripping. So the end of 2022, you were adding like $30 billion a month in consumer credit. Now we're down to 5 billion. Um, and you know, even if you go on like a three-month moving average on the last the last few months here for what well, you can pick, revolving, non-revolving, the total, it, it has come down significantly. Um, for revolving, last month was a little under three billion added, and it was the, the month uh, the back. If you go back to August, you're seventeen billion. So not that long ago, seventeen billion. Now you're under three for for non-revolving. You were at 17 billion, kind of late 2022. Now you're at 2 billion. Um, so consumer credit's really, really slowing down. Um, we also got net worth data that came out today, um, which dropped in the third quarter. Obviously, that was because of stocks. Um, the number was down uh, something like 1.3 or 4 billion or trillion, something like that. And 
more than 100% of that was real estate, um, was, uh, stocks because real estate went up a little bit and some other stuff went up a little bit, but because equities drew down a little bit in the third quarter, that was a bit of a hit to net worth. Now, obviously if we had, if we could mark to market Q4 right now, it would be, it would be up as the markets, you know, ripped back higher here. Um, but that consumer credit data is, is, is important to me. It's very hard for the, for the economy to grow if consumers aren't taking out debt because consumers obviously don't have, you know, the, the cash savings base to really do much. Um, so as that continues to slow, obviously bank credit is slowing down, especially uh, to businesses. So just in general, the the kind of economy-wide credit impulse is, is definitely slowing down um, and dramatically I, to, to levels that, in my opinion, are consistent with past recessions. So something to keep an eye on as we move forward. And none of that's going to get better until uh, the Fed starts cutting rates, I would assume. Uh, so I do want to talk uh, again about natural gas. And <laughs> because, I mean, I was kind of, you know, pounding the table yesterday about how I thought about it. And all, all it really did was get more, more interesting to me today. And maybe kind of do a little bit deeper dive even. Um, so today we got a storage report was a, was a good bit better than expected. So we drew about 117 um, billion cubic feet. We we're expecting that number to be a little over 100. So more than expected, which I mean, clearly is notable just to begin with. But at the same time, if you look back versus the one, last year or the five-year average, things like that, like that number um, is decent and improving. Um so what I, what I ended up doing is going kind of going back to look at the low in 2020 uh, to see like how were things then whenever we spiked down even under $2, you know, at least now we're a little over $2, you know, but back then we spiked under two for, for a very brief period of time, kind of in the COVID era. Um, so I wanted to kind of just compare notes on the, where the kind of the, the data was back then versus now. So back in, it was late June was whenever we bottomed under $2 the five-year deviation, so how much gas was in storage versus the five-year average. You had 466 billion cubic feet more than the five-year average. And right now, we have 234. So essentially half, you have half of the um, glut in gas storage now than you had then. And yet prices prices not that far away from that 2020 low. And if you just do year over year, where we're at now versus this time last year in storage, back in 2020, whenever we bottomed, you, you were 712 billion cubic feet above the 10-year average. And right now, we're 254 billion cubic feet. So you're talking, you know, that's 712 is 94% higher than 254. So just dramatically more. Um, building had happened on a year over year basis back then than has happened this year. So just on a pure like supply standpoint, you're, you're nowhere even close to how bad you were in 2020. And yet again, we're like the price is significantly down and, and getting reasonably close to where it bottomed um, in 2020. Like, I think it's like 15% difference, which the way Nat gas trades on the front month, you know, it could be like two or three days. You could be at the low. So, um, I'm just astounded that we're back at these levels. And, and to be clear, like where we bottomed out in 2020 was dumb. Like that was much too low. That was, that spike low was, was insane. And especially given the backdrop back then um, where the Saudis 
And the Russians essentially started an all-out price war for oil that was clearly going to impact um, shale gas production. And I think you're kind of in a similar situation right now where oil is getting cheap enough and and it's moving down fast enough to where U.S. oil production, which just hit an all-time high at 13.2 million barrels a day, like clearly that number to me at least in the next two, three months is going to have to move lower as long as you you don't get a big spike in oil for some unforeseen reason. So – if oil supply is going to be really high while oil prices um, rip lower, it's going to move down production, which is going to move down gas production, as, as I think I covered yesterday, But um, which is interesting because it's similar to 2020. So you have a, a similar setup, not not as aggressive a, a setup as 2020, but you also have a much, much better storage situation now than you did back then. Um, and clearly, a lot of this is, is weather-based and the fact that production is high-based. Um, but part of it's just, you know, it, we just had a, a give up trade. Like a lot of people were in it and they gave up. Um, I was in it, but instead of giving up, you know, I've I've added. And and here at Bulwark, we've actually started to get a little more aggressive uh, positioning um, in natural gas. Because I think whenever we, we kind of examine this supply situation versus previous lows, it's clear to me that supply is just not that, not that big a deal at the moment. Um, and to put a number on that, we're 2.6% above the 10-year average in storage right now. If you go back to that 2020 low, we were 19% above the 10-year average. So under 3 and 19% difference from the 10-year average. So we were we were like genuinely in a in a glut of gas back in 2020. And right now, like, are we above the 10-year average? Sure, but 2.6%. That could be unwound in a month. Like, nope, you get a cold month and it's over. You're back at the 10-year average. Really, that could happen in two or three weeks if it's cold enough. Um, so I guess you could, you could, in a sense, you could argue it all boils down to weather. Um, and, and to be clear, like everyone is projecting a, a warm winter, the rest of the winter, you know, spring to kind of arrive on time. Whereas I think there's at least a pretty decent possibility these weather models start to get a little colder as we move into January. And I think there's at least a decent probability that um, the, the winter kind of runs long. Um, but you've gotten so cheap that, and you've priced in the weather so so much, I, I think at least, that I don't know how much you can even go down if the weather models stay warm because everyone kind of expects that anyway. So the, the outlier move that would shock everyone and, and change positioning dramatically, clearly to me, would be, oh, uh, weather models just got a lot colder. So... As much as I hate to hammer away on the on the same topic two days in a row, uh, I just wanted to offer those numbers, um, and I'm probably actually going to write my um, client letter, my monthly letter to my to my research clients, just all all about natural gas because it, not often you, do I run into a trade where I feel uh, feel like you know as strong as I do about this one on a risk reward basis. Doesn't mean it'll work. Plenty of plenty of strong conviction trades end up being, you know, ones that you just get stopped out on and you move on with your life. But uh, it's it's definitely one I kind of feel strongly about. And unless there's just something I'm totally missing, um, the the data I look at, the data I track closely versus history and versus kind of what I think can happen in the next few months just does not make sense to me. It's one of those where I look at the price on my screen and I look at the supply and demand on my screen. Um, and it just doesn't make doesn't make sense to me. So that's it for today. I just wanted to run back through that one and, and kind of take you through the markets. Keep an eye on the the Japanese yen uh, for sure in the, in the coming days. That could 
be a big deal, not not just for um, Japan, but for really for global assets um, in general, depending on how it plays out. And now that I've hammered away two days in a row on gas, hey, maybe keep an eye on that for the next few months. We're under $2.50. Um, the, ne- the, the, the next few contracts, the next few months out are even lower. So you could sit, get into a, an interesting situation where um, I think you could go from, from two to four in, in a heartbeat um, if these weather models change a little bit. So just something to uh, keep in mind. That's all for me today and for me this week. Um, you, we'll get the normal show tomorrow with Zach. Stay tuned for that. Remember, as always, you can download and subscribe at knowyourriskradio.com. Cheers. The opinions expressed in this program are for general informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security. It is only intended to provide education about the financial industry. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor prior to investing. Any past performance discussed during this program is no guarantee of future results. Any indices referenced for comparison are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. As always, please remember investing involves risk and possible loss of principal capital. Please seek advice from a licensed professional. Investment advice cannot be given without a client service agreement. Bulwark Capital Management Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor.